right here on 105.9 The Region. Today's show is brought to you by Meridian Credit Union. Expecting more for your money? That's wealth esteem. Well, TIFF 2019 continues with its exhausting and exhaustive schedule of juicy films from around the world uh, through Sunday. I guess it does wrap up yeah. tomorrow uh, when this year, year's award winners will be announced. Film critic Ann Brody will be in studio to give us an update if she wakes up. <laughs> she has been out and about nonstop interviewing stars and watching films. So do stay tuned for that. Now, on a more serious note, I'm not sure if you knew this, but Ontario accounts for 70% of the human trafficking that occurs in Canada. We'll be joined by Renelle Bruder. She's a human trafficking survivor and speaker, as well as Daphne Nassani, who is a founding member of Freedom to talk about how big a problem human trafficking is in Canada and also uh, talk about the upcoming Free Them Freedom Walk taking place on Saturday, September 21st in Toronto. Now, the rate of injuries and fatalities on Toronto Street has become worse in 2019 than pretty much ever. And with school back in session, we could all use a good reminder to take more accountability for the role we play on the streets. Donna Ince, Senior Vice President of Personal and Commercial Insurance at RSA Canada, is going to talk to us about some of the current street safety issues impacting Torontonians and, well, all of us across the GTA, really, and how we can take action to help improve road safety. Well, is the grocery store a good place to find love? What do you think? I don't know. I've been out of the loop for 29 years. (laughs) (laughs) Award-winning actress, writer, and producer, Krista Hosepian stars as Julia in a new web series called Wholesome Foods, I Love You. Is that okay? And we'll be here to tell us all about it. It's a romantic comedy about a lovably neurotic yoga teacher who, after surviving a few incredibly rough years, stumbles upon her one true love, Wholesome Foods Market. (laughs) (laughs) Travel experts Candace Sampson and Jennifer Powell will discuss sustainable travel. And have you heard the term parent guilt before? I know Mm -hmm. Christine has. Parenting expert Maureen Dennis is going to break down what exactly that means and some of the top reasons parents feel guilty. So don't forget to follow us on social media, What She Said Talk, and download our free show podcast. You can find all the links on whatshesaidtalk.com right now. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So, let's get a... a Meridian five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rate subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Did you know that 
Ontario accounts for 70% of the human trafficking that occurs in Canada. Joining us now is Renelle Bruder. She's a human trafficking survivor and speaker. And with her is Daphne Nassani, a founding member of Freedom. Welcome to what she said, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having us. First of all, tell our listeners and us what Free Them does. So Free Them has been around for almost 10 years and we started because we felt there was a gap in um, relaying the message that human trafficking actually happens in Canada. We know it's a very large global issue, but it's a lot of people may not understand that it's happening very close to home, like right here in Toronto. So um, we took it upon ourselves, all volunteers, to distribute that message and let people know that it's happening here. Well, when people say human trafficking, it can take different forms depending on where in the world you're talking about it. So what form does it primarily take here? Here in Canada, it's largely sex trafficking and labor trafficking. But you will see cases of forced uh, forced marriage. There's obviously, we know because it's been in the news, child exploitation mm-hmm. images, with otherwise known as child porn. So these are definitely all under the umbrella of trafficking. So how big a problem is it in Canada? Because we hear about other countries and it's huge. Yeah, we know that it's uh, over 30 million people worldwide. Um, Here in Canada, we know that specifically in Ontario, uh, over 63% of the the cases in Canada, in Ontario, they're actually Canadian citizens. Ronelle, you have overcome a a lot. Uh, Tell us a little about your story. So um, at the age of 16, I left home. I had a pretty difficult childhood and ended up homeless. And experiencing homelessness, I met a young woman who at the time I thought was a friend, but actually was working for a trafficker to recruit other young girls. And so through her, I was introduced to the man who would be my trafficker. Um, So I was recruited into the sex industry working in strip clubs. And I think for a lot of people, they don't understand how human trafficking happens. And again, we were kind of just speaking like that. Most people assume it's happening in another country. It can't happen here in Canada. But what it is, it's a relational type of crime. So traffickers will build a relationship with young girls. They'll approach them as a friend, as a boyfriend, as a love interest. And once that bond is or there... Or a protector. Or a protector, exactly. Oh, I'm going to... Yes. I'll make sure you get a place to stay. I'll a look after you. A parental type of figure, yeah. yes. And then they'll be able to exploit the vulnerabilities and exploit them into the sex industry. So is... Is the vocabulary somewhat changed in that there are no pimps anymore? They're now called traffickers? I mean, it's it's, it's interchangeable. Yeah, yes. it is. Pimp, okay. term, term, it's the okay. same. Yeah. Okay, so because people think of trafficking as something very much more exotic, planes and different countries, <laughs> and, you know what I mean? But so, it isn't. It's tell tell. Can you tell us... Um, a little bit, like, give us an example of an experience. Like, so, so this man had, you know, coerced you into into performing strip in strip clubs. Yes. How did it progress from there? Well, so it started as, you know, you're going to do this to be able to make money. Right. So it's sort of selling you that dream, be able to buy the condo, have nice things, and being a young person, being on my own, being vulnerable. I was okay. This sounds like something that I could do, and it slowly over time started to change. So all of a sudden that relationship with someone who was the protector and cared about you started to become someone who is emotionally abusive, someone who is using name calling and demeaning and things like that. And you start to get into a very toxic type of situation. Um, Similar to, I would say, um, Stockholm Syndrome. 
mm-hmm. where that type of relationship where you're with somebody and even though there's times when they can be completely cruel, violent to you, they'll also be nice and they'll be kind. So it's confusing for the person who's the victim because there's also a love and there's a relationship there, but then you're also being abused. How long did it take before you realized what was going on and how did you manage to get yourself away? Well, I never really, I don't think, figured out what was going on when I was that young. I ended up leaving after a few months only because I became fearful for my life and my safety. It wasn't until years later, actually when I was in university and I was studying gender studies, that I actually was the first time I heard the word human trafficking. And that's when I realized that that's what had happened to me when I was a teenager because I had no idea. But that must have been pretty brave for you. You were afraid of your life. You were afraid he was going to hurt you? Yes, yes. And so, you know, but again, being on your own, maybe not having the financial background, that that took a lot of courage. Yeah, I think at that point, I had already, I was at the point where I wanted to leave, but I just didn't know how. And so through an incident where I witnessed him physically assaulting a young woman, that was like the trigger point where I was like, that's it, I have to go. I felt like my life was in danger. And fortunately, I was able to connect with some friends that I had. And they were able to sort of shelter me and hide me away for a little bit. But otherwise, I don't know what I would have been able to do. You never pressed charges? No. And that's not something that that comes easily to victims? Well, I think, for one, victims a lot of times are afraid. They're fearful for their life and their safety. And another reason is a lot of times victims don't even know that they're a victim. Mm. Because it is a relationship that they believe that they're in. They believe that this is their partner that loves them. And so they don't see it as a trafficker. They see it as a boyfriend. Or, like you said, a protector. So you're now involved in helping other victims. Well, so I do. So as a speaker, so speaking and advocating and creating awareness on human trafficking. And through the grassroots project that I launched, the RISE Initiative, where I support vulnerable youth workshops and different things like that. So Canada's taking the issue pretty seriously. Uh, It's putting $57 million towards the National Action Plan. What do you both think needs to change uh, well, I mean, this is a great step, and it is nice to see also that if uh, the conservative government uh, isn't still present, that uh, – sorry, the liberal government, the conservative government also it's has okay. a It's okay. We're in so, an election period. Yeah. <laughs> so they have a plan as well. Like, it looks as though it's really on the radar for government and at all levels, which is really nice because we hadn't seen that 10 years ago. So um, all this awareness has been created. There are still issues where uh, the funding um, isn't being allocated fast enough. It isn't moving fast enough. And, uh, you know, we see these problems that are still lingering because – because we're just not moving quickly enough. Mm. But is it totally money or is it just awareness? I mean, that young, you know, we're hearing news that that people should have conversations with children about needles. So maybe we need to have other conversations with with younger people. Mm. Yeah, I definitely think we need education and awareness. Um, I think events like Freedom and what we're doing, what's happening upcoming, Mm -hmm. is to create that awareness, to talk about human trafficking. So parents can talk to their children, let them know what's happening, tell them about what are the signs and the indicators. Well, tell us about the upcoming Freedom Freedom Walk. It takes place Saturday, September 21st in in Toronto. What can people expect? Well, uh, the registration starts at 9 a.m., but you can pre-register on our website, which is freethemwalk.ca. So it's F-R-E-E-T-H-E-M. 
Freedom, not to be confused with Freedom. So uh, <laughs> you can register there, and it is a family event. So we are encouraging everybody to come out with their family to do the walk. There is the, the room where we're having the ceremony, but then there's also a kids' room, so we could have the kids, and they're occupied with crafts, et cetera. And then there's a three-kilometer walk. But our event is very interactive. So we have um, a Freedom Corner, so we, we have a lot of things going on. We have a marketplace. There's fair trade. Uh, there's social conscious initiatives that people could learn. Um, and then we have various speakers, not just Renelle and her very courageous uh, presentation about her story, but we'll all also have politicians and people in law enforcement. And uh, so there's a, a lot of stuff going on that morning. Okay, so uh, and 3K. I think I can handle 3K. Yeah. <laughs> How involved are you with law enforcement? Um, we're we're you know you can only be so involved yes. with law yeah. enforcement. We're most of our work is being done with governments because uh, it it starts from there. So uh, we started out originally. It was about eight years ago with the city of Toronto, and there's been a lot of movement there. We were the original stakeholder, which was it was so great to be a part of. And then um, we moved into the province, and we've made some changes and with with the help of some really key important people who've passed, uh, who've put put through motions, a lot of great things have been happening. That's wonderful. Yeah, that is. moving in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely, yes. for sure, for sure. Okay, now how can people connect uh, with uh, both of you online? Ronell, you go first. So with me, you can go to my website www.ronellbruder.com or you Ronell, can R H R H O N yes E L L E yes. Bruder, B-R-U-D-E-R. Yes, okay. dot com. Yeah. Yes, or follow me on social media at Real Ronell. Real Ronell. Yes. And Daphne? So I'm at Daphne at freedom.ca. Our website, freedom.ca, has all the necessary information outside of our walk page. And uh, you can also connect with any of our volunteer team. Our entire team is volunteers. So if anybody wants to help in any way, there is a volunteer button. Um, and we got a lot of things that we're hoping to do in the near future. So that would be the best way. And is there a site or can people maybe donate on that site if they want to support Absolutely. You? Yep. There's a donate button on the website for the walk, freedomwalk.ca. And in addition, on our regular site. And this year, I should note that the money is actually going to um, the Aurora House. And the Aurora House is specific in, in Toronto. There are a handful of safe houses in Toronto, but this one is different because it actually supports girls over a certain age that can't get into the other safe houses. And in addition to that, um, those who may be pregnant or are with or um, post-child. All right. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for doing what you do. Thank you so much for thank having you. us here. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Let me tell you about my friend Alfred. Alfred has truly revolutionized dry cleaning in the GTA. You see, we're all busy. Some may even say too busy. And Alfred's laundry list of services are here to help. They include wash and fold, dry cleaning, alterations, as well as shoe cleaning and repairs. Alfred takes care of it all. Simply drop your garments off with your concierge or at any Penguin pickup location in the GTA, and Alfred will take care of the rest. Learn more today at alfredservice.com or through the free Alfred Service app. Sign up today and get a first-time discount by entering the promo code WHATSHESAID. Looking for a better brunch? We found it for you at Draco Restaurant, inside the spectacular brand-new Toronto Marriott Markham on Enterprise Boulevard. All your delicious brunch favorites, plus signature cocktails, every Sunday from 10 till 2. 
Take our word for it. You'll love the space and you'll love the food. It's easy to reserve now on opentable.ca or call 905-489-1400. Elevate your brunch Sundays at Draco. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Is the grocery store a good place to find love? Joining us now is award-winning actress, writer, and producer Krista Hosepian, who stars as Julia in a new web series called Wholesome Foods, I Love You. Is that okay? Welcome to What She Said, Julia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Okay, so Wholesome Foods is a romantic comedy about a lovably neurotic yoga teacher who, after surviving a few incredibly rough years, stumbles upon her one true love, Wholesome Foods Market? Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, the story is basically a heightened version of my life. You know, I moved out to L.A. and it just felt like a perfect fit out there. And I don't... Lotus land kind of thing? Yeah. And I, I was talking about this with some friends the other night and they were talking about like going out drinking and having cocktails after work and stuff. And it's totally fine if that's what people want to do with their time. Mm-hmm. But it's not anything I've ever been drawn to. And it dawned on me like, oh, that's that's what the appeal is for me. Like I go to yoga and I go to... Whole Foods. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's where I'm social. That's where I meet friends. I we call like... it whole paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, there is yeah. that aspect too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, and the, so, so, as you said, you're you're living in LA still. Yeah. But you're currently from you're from Waterloo. I'm from Waterloo. I spent 15 years in Toronto and did my master's in Berlin. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> when did you get your start in the acting world? Um, I officially started like training and pursuing work when I was seven. Um, but my mom was a flight attendant. She had passes to Hawaii when I was a kid. We were out at a hotel somewhere, and there was a crew shooting a commercial for the hotel. And I was like, you know, this chubby little kid with like curly ringlets. And they were like, we have to put your daughter in this thing. And I did that. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So um, tell us how this relationship with the uh, with the market grows in 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 the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think my character, Julia, is going through a lot of personal shifts. And um, we talk a lot in this community about how there's a fine line between using things like a healthy lifestyle and yoga to help ourselves mm-hmm. and to really pursue wellness um, or using it as a way to like feel like we have control over things or even a way to harm ourselves where we're like restricting and overtraining. And I think she's like towing that line the whole time where like she's a little bit obsessed with the lifestyle and she's trying to solve something in her life. She's literally like looking for love in the aisle at the health food store trying to fill herself up with this thing that's supposed to be good for her. So where where did you get the inspiration for this? I spent a lot of time at <laughs> organic supermarkets. I, I grew up seeing healers and energy workers and going to health food stores and... Yeah, some, there's a reference here to the seven wonders of the secret spice world. Yes, it's a very magical Do you know place. them? Um, I don't off the top of my head, but I could. I should create them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So, 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 what does Julia do in in the show? She, I mean, she goes there daily. She bonds with uh, cus- customers. Yeah, I mean, how does this work? She knows the staff members. Um, the produce manager Fred, played by Kyle Buchanan, 
um, they have like their own little like secret handshake dance and like he gets certain items in the store just for her and um, she has this friend Cartwright who he's going through some tumultuous times as well mm-hmm. he went to Harvard on a badminton scholarship his dad passed away and he our, our first episode is called Solace at the Supermarket and <laughs> that's what he's seeking he like hangs out there it's you know it's the sense of community it's all of these like quirky neurotic people hanging out trying to better themselves. I'd find it kind of, i got to admit, creepy if somebody started like coming up to me. How do you avoid that uh, that aspect of it? I think it's all the, the energy and the intention, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there are certainly people who approach you anywhere and it feels a little bit creepy. Um, but I don't know. If people are like light and seem really genuine, I talk to people at the supermarket all the time. I do know the cashiers at my organic market very well. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing creepy about it at all. But when you think about it, is it any creepier than going online and swiping a picture of somebody left right. or right that you've never met before? Right. At least mm-hmm. if you're in the supermarket, you get some sort of a... It's face-to-face, and it's some sort of a vibe. Right, or someone coming up to you in a coffee shop. I will say I did have a store employee one time ask for my number. He wasn't creepy about it, but I I felt a little bit unsure of how to proceed because I was like, this is is where I buy my groceries every day, and you work here. Um, So I don't know. I think it comes down to, like, the connection and the intention. Mm. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Now, now the show features a diverse cast and crew, including 17 women characters and female DPs, camera operators, directors and producers, and an all-female music department. Um, Was that intentional? It was intentional, yeah. I've been a member of Women in Film in both Toronto and L.A. for years. I was at the Women in Film uh, Mm -hmm. TIFF reception last night. It was beautiful. Um, And I served on the Toronto Actor Women's Committee. Um, I think, like... I'm a woman. Why wouldn't I work to increase visibility within the industry? And that's awesome. So what's your favorite part of the whole process? Oh, I think it's still acting, like being on set on the day, dropping into character, connecting with other actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's working for you because you recently won Best Actress for your role as Julia at the Sicily Web Festival I did. Uh, in Italy. So congratulations. Thank you. And we actually, just after that, we won Best Ensemble in Seoul. Wow. Yes. What do you hope people take away from the show? I mean, I think that, you know, life is messy and we're all human and we're all imperfect and it's okay to live in that and to be honest about that. We don't have to wear these masks and try to keep up these facades about being perfect and not feeling darker feelings. And Julia has a lot of awkward, messy moments in her life and that's really what it's all about. I think the more that we talk about it and the more honest we are about it, the easier it is to like really connect and feel connected to other people and less alone in this weird process that we call life. Mm. So where can people actually see this? Because it's, it's been streamed uh, more than half a million times. Yeah. Um, you can find us on our website, wfily.com, mm-hmm. or on YouTube. So... Um, See, you're doing you're doing season two. We're working on it. Yeah, we're on season two right now. now. And then my uh, collaborators and I just shot a completely different series in December that we're finishing up post on. Ooh, you want to yeah. tell us a little yeah, bit about that? Yeah, tell us about that too. Sure. Yeah, it's called Fet. 
Um, being in LA, I didn't anticipate Americans calling it feet. <laughs> oh, it's F-E-T-E, -E, as yeah. in you're fating somebody? Um, yeah, like, yeah. you know, a celebration, a party. Mm -hmm. um, it's the story of three sisters. They have a very dysfunctional relationship. And it takes place on the eldest sister's birthday every year over a period of five years. So we shot the whole thing around, like, the same family birthday table. Um, I play this like off the wall character who brings a different partner every year. She's always going through her own thing. She finds a way to make the birthday all about her. <laughs> um, and, and then sister herself is going through um, dealing with some fertility issues, IVF, a divorce. And I still find a way to be insensitive and make it about me. But it, it is, it's still, <laughs> there are really funny moments. Yeah. yeah. It's still is comical. It primarily a comedy? Um, I set out to write a drama and about. Two pair, like two sentences into the first page, I was like, "Oh, it's going to be a comedy again." It's going to so. be a comedy, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you about languages because it seems to me that if you're getting awards in Italy and Seoul, mm. people all over the world are watching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty easy at this point in time to get captions done and yes. then to send them off and have it translated. So. Um, when we were talking earlier, before we started the interview, you told me that you actually crowdfunded to get the first series. That's uh, yeah. bra brave and, yeah. and it was successful. not an easy process. Why do you think it's so hard for people to find funding? Because obviously this show is resonating yeah. with people. Um, I think, honestly, a lot of us buy into the story that it's hard. And I'm still working on pulling that apart but there are people who get funding and find funding mm -hmm. and there is money out there I think we've been told for so many years that there's a lack of funding for the arts and so we believe it and find ways to complicate it or find ways to prevent ourselves from receiving the funding that we need mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I'm really focusing on like the psychology of that and trying to pull that apart and just be more open to asking mm. you know? was I mean, it easier for the second series this new series it was it was yeah it definitely was easier yeah we also found ways to cut costs for that one by doing it in one location having a smaller cast mm -hmm. yeah oh, okay so now it um you've said where you can find it online how do people connect with you online if they want to get um, hold you of you can find me on instagram i i'm on twitter and facebook i don't use them as often as often as instagram what's your um, handle it's my last name it's at h o v S E P I A N. Well, that's great. And uh, well, we wish you all the best of luck. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. What she said. What she said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. <sighs> Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. <laughs> and accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest, and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is travel expert Candace Sampson and Jennifer Powell, author at Fairpath Forward 
And today we are talking about sustainable travel. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks so much. So we're talking about reducing your impact on the planet, supporting local economies and protecting wildlife, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. When traveling, it's important. And, you know, uh, Jennifer really uh, recently invited me to a Facebook group called uh, hashtag go mama bear. And, um, you know, I'm invested in my kids' future, and climate change is a real concern for me. So I, you know, I love being in there. And one of the things I learned in there was that you can actually purchase a carbon offset for when you travel. And I didn't know that as a travel writer, which is kind of, you know, I felt a little ignorant not knowing this, but you can actually purchase carbon offsets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which the is great. airlines have them too. Yeah. yeah. And, and I found out Uniworld, mm-hmm. um, which is sustainable river cruising, uh, they offered this as well, that you can do that through them as well. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. And I thought it was a great thing to maybe talk about is sort of how to be responsible and be sustainable as well. Well, Elton John got, well, lambasted. Um, the media for going at uh, Harry and Meghan Markle because he said, I invited them to fly on my private jet. I paid for the carbon offsets. Their travel, even though it was an exclusive luxury jet, mm-hmm. was completely carbon neutral. Right. So he sort of quieted uh, the London press down yeah. down over that. But that's the kind of thing we need to, we need to we look d- into. We do need to be talking about it. And you know, it's it's you know, I joked around about this the other day with Jennifer, but it's like you know, it's like get over yourself, Karen. Okay, you didn't use a plastic straw today, but we need to get a little bit more serious about what we're doing with the planet here. And you know, and it has to be more than just not. <laughs> using a plastic straw <laughs> but 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 you guys are, are travel people yes. and yes. traveling yeah. is like uh, the, you're meant to there's a whole movement Absolutely. of saying let's not take take a plane it's interesting because yeah. i mean we actually um our family took a year off and went traveling around the world two years ago so it became a very wearable sort of uh notion about the fact of just how much our impact is on society how much mm-hmm. it impacts when it comes to traveling even how different countries are in terms of their infrastructure dealing with resources like garbage recycling Fresh mm-hmm. water, like we, I was telling Candace that we carried water around by our, like in a mm. giant jug, ten liters of water every single country except for maybe two, and we went to twenty-two countries. Like we are very fortunate here yes. in Canada with how much clean water and access to clean water we have. Mm-hmm. Right, and when it comes to like the carbon offsets, to your point, I think it's. Um, it's being more conscientious about how we're traveling, right? It's like carbon off- offsets essentially are buying credits to the carbon that we're using when we're polluting. Um, same like the carbon tax, like you're paying for the price of pollution. Um, we don't think like that right now. We think about, oh, we're just going to grab a trip and is it cheap mm-hmm. and whatever. We're not thinking, is this going to actually impact? I think it, we sort of, we looked into the research. It's two tons of carbon emissions to go from Toronto to London and back. That's uh, one ton of, of carbon emissions is one year's worth of garbage. Yeah. So if you think one person going to London is two years worth of garbage, like it's crazy, right? It's mentally you sit there going, it feels like you can't do anything. So what can we do? Well, I think something like the carbon offsets is a great start to yeah. that point. And I think having that, starting to have that com- that conversation and make it more normal. Um, I think we have to look for companies that have strong environmental policies in place. Um, you know, Sandals, uh, they eliminated, again, plastic straws, but they eliminated 23 million plastic straws from landfill when they took them off of their site. But they're also going further. They've got rid of um, plastic laundry bags and plastic bags in their stores. Um, and in September of this year, they're getting even more rid of more single-use plastics. Um, companies like Uniworld, you can purchase, um, you know, carbon offsets through them. They've eliminated all single-use plastics. They support sustainable travel companies within the, the regions that they deal in. So it's really it's it's important to watch for those things and look for companies with strong environmental policies, because cruise ships, for example, um, a 
passengers' carbon footprint triples in size when taking a cruise. And I think, too, you've got to think about um, shifting our mindsets in every single thing that we do, yeah. right? So it's like you go to the grocery store, you rethink the packaging that you're purchasing, you make sure that you bring a recyclable water bottle with you when you're traveling. Um, every component of our, our functionality in life, um, you know, Candace and I were talking about the fact of um, not not leaving an imprint on when you're traveling, right? So there's a lot yeah. of opportunities there that we can do to make changes. So tell me about this, this, this Facebook group, um, hashtag Go Mama Bear. So really, yeah. this is like essentially I think moms are going to be the most concerned about climate change when it comes to protecting our kids future because we actually want to make sure they have a future to have and so we've just organically started this Go Mama Bear Facebook group that is offering resources tips um, information links on how to actually make those small habit changes to make big impact if there were just a handful of things that you can do as a traveler besides buying uh, yeah Buying carbon, yeah, right. Which you know, um, is, that's what, you know, a lot of people do? are not going to do that. But I mean, water, for oh, example, absolutely. no water bottles. I carry an aluminum water bottle with me okay. everywhere I go, and I have to tell you, I found a really cool use for it in Vienna this summer when it was super, super hot. If you fill an aluminum water bottle with super cold water when you're having a hot flash, it cools you down immediately. <laughs> you put it on you. That Just was poured was right like, over your head, there, Candace. This is really cool. I like this. <laughs> it's like making decisions when you're purchasing, when you're traveling exactly. too, right? It's it's working on sort of. Uh, renewable energy versus fossil fuel stuff like mm-hmm. you know it's every decision you make um Candace went whitewater rafting and that to me there was no impact we said right. like that wasn't uh mm-hmm. there was no there was no fuel used in the raft yeah, the, exactly. you know the, it was uh, it was a fun adventure on a real river you making know making choices yeah, yeah they, they yeah. uh the the wine following the event was well, in a recyclable bottle <laughs> On Facebook, it is hashtag Go Mama Bear. So yeah. go and check it out. Thank yeah. you very much, ladies. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at WhatSheSaidTalk.com. Joining us now is Maureen Dennis. Now, she is a parenting expert, founder of We Welcome, a business devoted to giving new parents the tools to have a baby and a life. And now Maple Leaf spokesperson on parent guilt. Thanks for joining (laughs) us, Maureen. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Now, parent guilt is what we're focusing on today. First of all, what exactly is it? It's every day you live your life after you've had that baby. No, (laughs) basically as a mom of four, you know, you try and balance a lot of things. And so not every day are you the best at everything. So it can be kind of overwhelming day to day. And then you add social media and other parents. And, uh, you know, you can really spend a lot of your day wondering about whether you're doing the right thing. And, you know, it can, be, it can just make life more complicated when you're trying to really have that overall guilt of what are you doing right today or what are you doing wrong today as a parent. Well, what, what are some of the main things that parents feel guilty about? One of the main things um, I think that comes out, you know, in our day-to-day lives is food. Just, it's, you know, from picky eaters to making healthier choices to getting kids to try new things. Um, that's definitely one of parents' number one ongoing challenges is getting their kids to um, eat a healthier diet. Gee, that's funny because I mean we had strict rules in, in, in my house. I have two daughters. They're now um, you know, 23 and 24. But I made one dinner. And if they didn't like that dinner or they didn't want to eat it, then they could grab a yogurt and some fruit from the fridge. That was it. That was their only choice. But now I, I hear... And see families cooking, you know, virtually three, four different meals a night for their 
you know, their their spouse, their kids, their older kids, younger kids. They're very picky, but I didn't buy into that. How do you feel about it? I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. I think that there's a family meal. As a parent, it's your job to buy good food. I'm a big proponent of kids making their own um, lunches. They can handle breakfast. And then, you know, as a family, you're going to have one dinner. Now, with the way activities go and things, you definitely mm. sometimes have to maybe not eat together all the time. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important for parents to um, let that guilt go in that, you know, as uh, my kids have gotten older, they've realized that, you know, it's, it's a good thing to have tried those foods and it's a good thing to have a variety of a palate. But it's also a good thing to learn about where that nutrition is coming from and why, you know, mom and dad have made those meals and get them involved in making those choices in the grocery store and helping make those meals. And I find that really does tend to help with, you know, broadening their horizons. It also doesn't need to feel guilty about some of the foods that we're, we're choosing to have because it's overall, you know, that nutrition that they're getting and they learn how to make those different choices, right? So where do you think the pressures come from? That, that lead us to feel guilty and, 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 and question our own sort of innate well, instinctive decisions. Maureen mentioned other parents, and that was... Oh, well, other parents, I think yes. that's a big one, isn't it? Social yeah. media shaming. Yeah. Well, you know, Maple Leaf Foods actually just did this really interesting study that revealed that basically, you know, one in four said they felt judged by others. So only one in four. <laughs> I have never met anybody who didn't feel judged by others when they're parenting. <laughs> but then when they feel that they have an influence from social media over healthy foods, that was 54%. So that's where you say, okay, you're really starting to see that social media is playing a big role in what people are, you know, I mean, people probably show the best things they do in life. So if you made the you know, the healthiest meal you've ever made, you're going to maybe share your kids eating it and, and see that success. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think people forget that there is also everyday life and that it's balancing, um, you know, parents are trying to balance more than ever. And so food shouldn't make their more, life more complicated. So when Maple Leaf has made something like their natural um, top dog, they're made with kids, like ingredients that kids can pronounce. They're all natural ingredients. So they're only premium cuts of meat. They have, you know, um, everything in it that we would feel comfortable, but we're not used to saying, okay, you can have a hot dog. So it's, it's great to look at what certain brands have done to offer those healthier choices for things that kids still feel, you know, it's fun to eat and parents don't need to have that parent guilt over serving. Mm -hmm. So do you think that the guilt that some parents feel can actually develop unhealthy discipline habits, like giving in to the children when it's not in their best interest, because I know I'm guilty of that. It's like, fine, you can take that fruit roll up. And yes, you can go and watch that video again for the 800th <laughs> time. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that, you know, the majority of the time, um, we are time crunched. So when we're trying to get everything done in life, and maybe we have to, you know, we're running late from a meeting to get the kid to soccer, and we're throwing something at them in the car, maybe it's not the best choices we can make. Um, or if, like you said, from a disciplinary perspective, we don't want to have that fight with our kids because we've only seen them for a couple hours a day. So we just want to put something in front of them that they're going to enjoy. Mm -hmm. But you have to look at the bigger picture and go, okay, what lesson are we teaching the child here? We want to make sure that they understand that if they are choosing, uh, what food they're choosing also has to come from, you know, 
understanding what a parent is offering. So when the kids have a healthier choice, it's like they can, you know, as they get older, they can read ingredients. They can understand, right. you know, right. that okay. why that yogurt or that hot dog um, has a better choice for them. And then the brands that have more sugar, more fat, and less, you know, less things in the ingredients that they can even pronounce. And that's a, that's a good thing for parents to work through with kids. Absolutely. So that they can, you know, have that as a life lesson and not just a, a moment of, you know, weakness on the parents' part to say, well, here, just have this. Okay, Maureen, where can people go to, to learn more? You can visit me on any social media at Ms. Maureen Dennis, and my website is wewelcome.ca. And if you're more interested in Maple Leaf Foods Natural Pop Dogs, it's mapleleaf.ca. Maureen, thank you so much for joining us today. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. I just spoke to a Meridian advisor about variable versus fixed rate mortgages, and they told me that... Variable rates change based on Meridian's prime rate. Exactly. And that... You could pay your mortgage down faster if Meridian's prime rate goes down. How did you know? I spoke with an advisor, too. So let's get a... a Meridian five-year variable rate mortgage at 2.90%. Totally. Apply today at meridianmortgages.ca or visit a Meridian branch. Rates subject to change without notice. Some restrictions apply. 2.90% APR assumes the typical example of a new mortgage. Think fancy fold-away screens are out of reach? Well, things just got interesting with Vista One retractable screens. Three models, smart technology, and innovative components like pleated mesh for extra strength. Transform any opening by adding a Vista One retractable screen and increase your living space, enjoy fresh air, keep insects out, and do it all in style. With a unique, affordable line of screens exclusive to Vista One, you're sure to find the perfect design match. Book a free consultation or go online to VistaOneInc.com, like I did. What she said, she's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. The rate of injuries and fatalities on Toronto streets has become worse than ever in 2019. And with school back in session, we could all use a good reminder to take more accountability for the role we play on the streets. Joining us now to talk road safety is Donna Ince, Senior Vice President of Personal and Commercial Insurance at RSA Canada. Welcome to What She Said. Oh, thank you very much this for having me join you today. Yeah, this couldn't have been a more opportune time because according to a recent TO survey, 51% of cyclists, 20% of drivers, and 19% of pedestrians still feel unsafe on the streets of the GTA. So talk to us about some of the current street safety issues impacting Torontonians. You know, unfortunately, road safety in the GTA is is at an all-time low, and we we absolutely saw that in 2018. Uh, It was the worst year on record in terms of the number of injuries and fatalities we had on the streets in the GTA. Uh, 42 pedestrians and five cyclists were actually killed or seriously injured in a collision. 
and in uh, from a perspective of the drivers, 13 drivers were either killed or seriously injured in collisions where there was aggressive or distracted driving. So, you know, it, it's, it's amazing that that happened in 2018 when you consider that the City of Toronto put together, you know, or kicked off a comprehensive plan, plan on Vision Zero uh, in 2017. So, you know, I, I think, you know, absolutely, uh, Absolutely required, definitely needed, but um, again, seems ironic that you know uh, that that 2018 was such a bad year. So uh, John Tory, as 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 you would know, unveiled a, a revision to that uh, that first plan called Vision Zero 2.0. Uh, put that in place in March of this year, and really in response to there was a number of collisions that involved uh, children, um, and I and I think you know we well recognize that something else had to be done. So there's a number of initiatives underway lowering the speed limits, uh, creating more mid-block crosswalks, um, installing more red light cameras, uh, changes to road signs, et cetera, um, and road design. Really, really important. And I think given all those safety challenges that we're facing here and now, um, the start of the school year is a really great time to remind everyone to take more accountability for their role and how they, and what, how they play uh, on the streets because kids are going back to school. The roads are going to get busier for sure with vehicles as well as uh, the kids riding their bikes to school. And, and again, children just walking to school. And, and uh, we, we know that the safety zones sometimes in, that are in the school zones are, are really not as effective as they need to be. There's been, you know, there's all kinds of dangerous driving we see around school zones, whether it's speeding or texting while they're driving or not obeying, you know, the traffic signs. Or just signs. parking. And, or just and, parking and, on the side kids, of the roads and blocking, yeah, blocking are getting, the thoroughfare. Yeah, it, so it it's really amazing things like the unsafe parking, as you said, the, the children drop off. Um, that poses all kinds of, of problems when kids are running through the parking lots to get to school um, or, or running across the road. Like, we just need to take a breath and, and spend more time and thinking when we're in those school zones. Um, I, I should mention that in the last few years, I have noticed that the level of patience or road rage, people are angry first thing in the morning. They honk if you don't go from zero to 60 at a green light. And meanwhile, you've got a pedestrian that hasn't quite finished crossing the street. Is that a factor? Oh, for sure. Road rage, we know, is an escalating problem. We we saw that in our survey, just the perception people are having. So maybe they haven't been in, engaged themselves in in, a, in an incident, but people are seeing it. We we see it all the time. I'm sure you you've seen it in the last week, where someone gets out of their vehicle and knocks on the window of the vehicle in front. Um, it, it's frightening, um, and so we know it's intensifying. We 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 hear about the incidences uh, in the media. I I, I do think um, some of that factor is people are rushing. Uh, people are not giving themselves enough time to get from point A to point B, and we know that it is taking more time for us to get through the city. Um, we know our neighborhoods and our, and our downtown areas are getting more densified, and that just means more people. And, and unfortunately, that means people's uh, levels of frustration and their emotions boil over. So there, there's absolutely something to be said that we need to, you know, turn down the volume on, on that kind of behavior because there, are, there is a behavior behavior element to it for sure. Um, absolutely, there's, there's lots of improvements we need to make from an infrastructure perspective. That's pretty critical, and I know that's really a focus for, uh, for the city, um, for John Tory in particular. But we all know that takes time, it takes money, um, it takes collaboration. Well, tell us, um, tell us about how you are collaborating. Tell us a little bit about the Truce TO initiative, because 
it's, as I understand it, aiming to bring more harmony to the city streets. Yeah, so what we, we, we believe that there is um, a lost opportunity, and, and I would say a big opportunity, if we don't start focusing on behavioral change. So as I said, infrastructure improvement is absolutely needed, but it, it's, it's going to take time and money. We launched TruthTO campaign last year really to encourage road safety education and start that conversation around empathy. So again, very, very much behavioral based. And so through the campaign, we've asked people to make a personal commitment to change, take accountability, I mean that's a really important word, uh, for their own actions and in particular being open to education and retraining. You know, this notion of, of empathy is, is sorely missing from the current equation, um, particularly when the road rage is, is involved. Um, and we think that, that, that this theme of behavioral change really aligns nicely with what the city is doing around the road design change, but also greater policing around uh, distracted, you know, the, the distracted driving. So if you go to trucesto.com, you can test mm -hmm. your road safety knowledge and, and uh, take a pledge or you learn some things there? Yeah, so the, um, the, the website that we have is the, the Choose TO. There's um, a number of, um, uh, of, of items on, on the, the website, so there's some material so we, you can refresh your knowledge around the rules of the road. Uh, you can take a test or a quiz. Um, we also have a, you know, the, um, the uh, results of our survey that we did. We did a fairly significant survey of about 1,300 individuals asking them questions about how they feel, their perceptions of their own safety on the road when they're participating as either a cyclist or a pedestrian or even a driver. Um, there's also a, a number of um, podcasts called Street Peace where you can hear more about uh, street safety, empathy, as well as education. And we, uh, those podcasts have a number of different individuals. Uh, we have a council uh, woman that was on there, also uh, some people that are actively involved in the advocacy for, for cyclists and, uh, and for walkers in the city. So we, you know, we would also encourage people to, we, one thing you can also access is is the Vision Zero plan and the Vision Zero 2.0 plan um, to improve road safety. So we have, there's a quite a bit of material on there that people can refresh um, uh, their, their education around road safety. And I, you know, I would say, you know, I, I, I got my license when I was 17 and that was quite a long time ago. Um, I haven't taken trainer, retraining uh, testing before or, uh, or since. Um, and there's a lot of new signals and, and certainly a lot of new signs and um, I think, you know, it's important that everybody's up to speed on all those signals, whether it's hand signals from a cyclist or from uh, or on the road. We really need to continually educate ourselves around uh, around those those signs. So you can absolutely go to TruthTO to do that as well. Uh, do you think this can solve the problem? I I think it's um I think it's a conversation that we need to mm -hmm. we need to have we need to highlight it. It's not going to work on its own. As I said, um, I think to be to to be frank, I think the infrastructure improvements are the key to improving road safety. I think that it's a nice um, uh, it's a nice partnership, or it's it's a uh, it plays very well the behavioral changes around empathy, education, uh, with the the uh, infrastructure improvement. Can but you give us said, one I, example of an infrastructure improvement that the one that you think would do be most effective? 
Well, I think uh, certainly one of the ones around uh, the school zones, so making sure that uh, the school zones are uh, the speed zones are appropriate uh, to make sure that I think speed bumps are really important. Certainly in, in my neighborhood, mm -hmm. um, we had, uh, uh, unfortunately, a young girl was, uh, was killed uh, at a, a one of our crossings. You live and, in Leaside. Uh, that was in Leaside. Yeah. And um, uh, we, uh, there, was some, there was some discussion about speed bumps, uh, but they actually changed how you turn on, uh, on, on the intersection that she, she, uh, she was killed in, uh, where you have to stop now before you could turn on a red. So there's, there's all these different approaches, I think, um, really do go a long way to, um, to help keep people safe, particularly, particularly children. So I do, I do think uh, things around the speed is really important. Um, and I know, you know, there's some people that don't don't really like the, the red camera um, uh, approach, um, but I do think that there's a role to play um, there, particularly in intersections where, where we have a lot of um, right. a lot of traffic accidents. Right. Uh, it does cause people to slow down, and yeah. I think that's really important. So Donna, where can people go to learn more? So where they can go is to www.truth.com, and okay. they can they can access uh, all the uh, all the material that I reference. Um, and uh, I think it I think it would be a great um, spot for people uh, to again to get some re-education around uh, road safety and uh, and make that personal pledge. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian. Expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Think fancy fold-away screens are out of reach? Well, things just got interesting with Vista One retractable screens. Three models, smart technology, and innovative components like pleated mesh for extra strength. Transform any opening by adding a Vista One retractable screen and increase your living space, enjoy fresh air, keep insects out, and do it all in style. With a unique affordable line of screens exclusive to Vista One, you're sure to find the perfect design match. Book a free consultation or go online to VistaOneInc.com, like I did. What she said, she's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Well, joining us now is film critic Ann Brody for Saturday Night at the Movies. And TIFF 2019 continues. Um, and I understand that uh, Toronto film critics are just not very happy this year. Yeah, there, there was a significant lack of pre-festival screenings, which we depend upon for our uh, interviews and our, mm -hmm. and our reviews and capsules and whatever. There weren't that many. Um, and we're now, instead of having total access to films... We have to sign up for them in the morning. You get a, a total of 10 for the festival. And how many do you get if you're American? 
<laughs> access. <laughs> Pretty much Los free access. Los Angeles International Film Festival. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, that makes a sense. Major problem. Major problem. And and we have not been getting anywhere near the access we used to get three years ago to um, the big stars. So you know, it's problematic. Very no, problematic. No, I mean it's hugely problematic oh. because. If the people covering it don't have access and can't see the films, and we're Canadian, and it's our city, so what is the point? Yeah, lots, I, I'm, I'm hearing lots of complaints. But anyway, let's uh, let's go back. It is uh, an exhaustive, exhausting, and exhaustive <laughs> yes. schedule yes. of films from around the world. Now there is a closing gala, I believe. No, no, there isn't anymore. No. They've canceled that, too. Oh, the gala the Saturday gala, night. Yeah. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Sorry. That's radio radioactive. My, my, uh, yes, my, uh, my, my gala is the Sunday morning award show, award show which is Vamoose. So. Why did they cancel that? Well, it, they've turned it into a Thursday afternoon small affair. Oh. So. so there's not even a thank you for all the critics that covered everything that they wanted publicized. In. Okay, anyway, let's talk about radioactive then. Yes, it's a story. <laughs> <laughs> But I will say there have been some terrific films, and this one stars Rosamund Pike as Marie Curie, and it—I didn't know she had a wild romantic life, but it, it covers her romantic and professional um, journey from uh, as a physician who created so many wonderful cures. So you know, I haven't seen it. I, but, you know, go go see it Saturday night. <laughs> what about the burnt orange heresy? Oh my goodness, that's the one I've been waiting for. Mick Jagger's in it. Oh, he plays uh, an art collector, massively wealthy art collector who lives on Lake Como, and he gets an art critic to come to his house. In his back property, in a shack, lives Donald Sutherland, who is one of the world's leading painters who disappeared from sight decades before. He hasn't painted since. He's actually painting blank canvases. And uh, so Mick Jagger hires uh, Clay's Bang, who's a German actor, to sneak into his studio and get pictures of what he's working on. And it's really dense, a psychological thing. It's gritty and hard-edged. And uh, But i got to tell you, the highlight for me is Mick Jagger. Well, it would be. We know, <laughs> we know you have a huge crush. I do. <laughs> and, you know, and, and he's small. He's very small. And everyone mm-hmm. in the film is tall, so he looks, he looks minute. They didn't um, put him on an apple box? <laughs> no, no. And what's also interesting is he's meant to be a Truman Capote-type figure who is also very small. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was kind of delicious. Now, so we can actually act? You don't. He, he, you don't remember him and Ned Kelly? Sta- yeah, don't right. Know. Yeah, you don't know. Okay. No, no, he he's his stage character. That's who he is. Mm. He, he's very, you know, he's swaggery. Yeah. Let's talk about the Goldfinch because boy, did it not get any good reviews. Well, uh, it's mixed. It's really mixed. It's based on Donna Tartt's award-winning novel that mm-hmm. that people love, um, and it's a very busy film. It crams almost a thousand pages into two and a half hours uh so you understand it's it's overreaching a little bit um and it's about a boy's journey after his mother's killed in a terrorist explosion in moma Mm -hmm. and he he grabs her he's just little and he grabs her favorite painting the goldfinch which is a bird uh chained to a stand that's hundreds and hundreds of years old and he keeps it safe but under his watch things happen to it so um 
my favorite part is Nicole Kidman. She is so icy as this Park Avenue matriarch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She is, you can't get your eyes off her. She's going to be nominated for this. And you also thought uh, J-Lo was going to be nominated for Hustlers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is her big push. Um, She did one Canadian interview. (laughs) Really? One. And so everybody had to make do with photographs. There was no, um, you know, it wasn't. That wasn't a good scene either. I sound so bitter. I'm just tired. Yeah, we got Antonio uh, Banderas. We get, we did actually, and we're getting Isabel Hubert tomorrow. So, I and mean, what we about got Kira her. Knightley in uh, Official yes, Secrets? that's not a TIFF film. She oh. plays oh. real life um, uh, British intelligence translator Catherine Gunn, who blew the whistle on a memo that she got from the U.S. asking England to support them in a war on. Iraq because of weapons of mass destruction. She knew there were none, so she leaked the memo and she was imprisoned on treason charges. Now, did you get to see my daughter who's uh, in a Lifetime movie tonight? I saw her clip and I can't wait. I know. It's called The Cheerleader Escort. If it wasn't a Lifetime movie, I'd be scared of sending and telling telling (laughs) the grandmas to watch, but it seems okay. Um, Yeah, so that is on uh, Lifetime at uh, 8 o'clock. Very excited to see it. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you. We have to leave it there, but you can find more movie and TV reviews up now on What You Said Talk.com. And that is our show for this weekend. We will be back next Saturday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. Be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye for now. Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at WhatSheSaidTalk.com. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Come on a journey like no other where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.